0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Drop pass, Dreisler McDavid down the middle, wrist shot, score! Connor McDavid just like that! Smith, three clubbing right hands, right hand. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by CAM LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad.
2: Hey, here we go. Three games in the NHL tonight. Leafs and Panthers 1-1 early in the second period. After the first, it's 2-2 between the Stars and the Rangers. Pavelski both goals for Dallas. He is now up to 11 on the season and about three minutes left in the first period. It is scoreless between Detroit and Philadelphia. Watch any games over the weekend? Last 10
0: games, this line, plus 28, they score again. Kyler Yamamoto, fed in front, and he buries David Riddick, who's furious. McDavid finishes his check, Archibald in front. Cassian scores, 2-0. Edmonton scoring on the first two shifts of the game. And this Saddledome crowd is stunned. Chillington, pocket picked by a walks in, Joke saves, Talbot, rebound, score! Ryan Nugent Hopkins makes it 5-3! Haas, high slot, score! Caleb Jones, a slapper from the point! 6-3! Edmonton and Matthew Kachuk and Ethan Bear are going to drop the gloves. Bear belts him with the right hand. Kachuk counters with a straight right. Right hook, Ethan Bear. Left jab, Matthew Kachuk Haas, right handed shot, picks it up at center, in over the blue line. Haas, wrist shot, score! Gaitan Haas makes it 8-3.
2: Well, that was fun. An incredible game to watch and Arguably the Oilers' best game of the season, even if you take out the fisticuffs. Eight goals, 49 shots, pretty much in control the entire way as they go to 8-1-2 and two in their last 11. Another Pacific Division opponent tomorrow night. Of course, we have it for you here on 630 Chat, 530 Faceoff Show, game at 7 against the Arizona Coyotes. So, the Oilers go to 28, 18, and 6 on the season. As I mentioned, 8, 1, and 2 in their last 11. That's their best stretch of the season to this point that they will try to continue tomorrow. And I'm curious to hear from you tonight. And the number to both call and text is 780-496-0063. It's it's been a bit of a been a bit of a ride for the Oilers this season. They started seven one and one, so they're really good out of the gate. You know it's not going to last, but they bank some points. Then they have a stretch of games where they go nine six and two. No, not bad, decent. You win barely over half your games, three games over five hundred. Not not bad over a seventeen game stretch. Then we know what happened through most of December, four ten and one. You know, I think some fatigue sent in, didn't get the the goaltending they've been getting lately, weren't getting the support scoring, and there was a lot of concern. Is this here we go again? Is this another team that's going to drop off and be an also-ran when it comes to a playoff spot? And now 8-1-2. and two. So that's, I kind of divide the season into those four segments. So my question is, they're not going to go at an 8-1-2 and two pace the rest of the way, but can they go at a pace that keeps them you know, in the top two of the division? Have the changes that we've seen here with Yamamoto coming up and the lines being retooled a little bit and the play of, I think, both Smith and Koskinen, though I know Smith has played more lately, is this enough to make you think, like, okay, there's not going to be some sort of horrific drop-off where this is going to turn into, well, many of the... Most uh, recent seasons, so that's what I'm wondering, and you can communicate that, or if you just want to call in and talk about other things, or uh, the uh, <laughs> the wildness on Friday night or on Saturday night. Again, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. There, there are certainly many positives lately, and a lot of it resolves around. I guess we call it the second line because McDavid isn't on it, but it's really the Oilers' first line in terms of production. Listen to this over the last 11 games. Leon Dreisaitl has a point, at least a point, in every game. He has 22 points in the last 11 games. Nugent Hopkins has 17 goals, 17 points. McDavid, 7 goals, 16 points. And Yamamoto, 5 goals, 5 assists for 10 points. Just under... A point a game for Yamamoto over the last 11, and Leon Drysaddle was talking about his line's production.
0: Um, obviously, the puck's been going in for us, so uh, that's always that's always nice. You know, it makes it easier. But uh, I think we, we we work well off each other. Um, you know, I think we compete hard, and um, yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been fun. You know, hopefully we can keep it going. Head coach Dave Tippett. They've played long enough together now, where they're starting to. You can really see some chemistry coming. You know, I just look at it, you. Got Yamo, a young player who really is starting to really get comfortable and get his confidence there, and he can make plays. Nuge and, and Dreisaitl are both real good players. So the three of them together, you know, they've uh, they've played well. They've got some results, and they uh, they look like they're having fun out there.
2: And Leon Dreisaitl enjoying playing with Yamamoto. Leon says Yamamoto's pretty hard to play against. He's
0: very feisty, and, and I think he gets, gets under, uh, under guys' skins. And, um, you know, with that, he obviously has a lot of skill that, um, you know, he can finish plays and he can make those little plays. So, um, yeah, he's been, he's been a, um, a huge piece for us, and, you know, we need him to keep on. Spent a lot of last season and the
2: previous season, but especially last year, lamenting the Oilers' lack of depth up front. No scoring depth, so much of the offense revolving around McDavid and Dreisaitl. Nugent Hopkins often being on the second line, seemingly with with no one, with any sort of, you know, not even near his offensive ability and awareness and that led to some questions. Well, you know, who is Nugent Hopkins? Is, is he going to be a, a point producer? What's going to happen? Well, now we, and, and there was also a lot of, and I, I think this phrase started getting overused a little bit, but can Leon drive his own line? You got you to gotta drive your own line. Well, I'll tell you what, you can't drive your own line if the other two players on it are really fourth liners. And that's who Nugent Hopkins had a lot of last season. You know, Jujar Cara, uh Milan Lucic, who was no longer producing, Alex Chason, who has his role on the team, but he's really not a top six forward. So now things have changed because, you know, Cassian's been able to find a spot there with McDavid, has some speed, doesn't have the setup ability of a, of a dry sidle. He's not, you know, he's not a great passer. I think he's a decent passer, but he's shown some finish. And now all of a sudden dry sidle looks great. Nugent Hopkins look great and, and you throw in Yamamoto. And I think when you talk about being a productive line, I think you have to have at least two players who have very good, you know, above average or excellent offensive ability. And then maybe sometimes you you can have a third player who fits in. So Nugent Hopkins, I mean a complete rejuvenation for him now that he's playing with a couple of players who are good with the puck, can set him up that he can set up. And Nugent Hopkins has benefited Dry won a couple of faceoffs. Nugent Hopkins had one, he fires it in. He has another one, he fires it on net. Yamamoto scores on the rebound. The game on Saturday, that great play by Dreisaitl to strip Shillington of the puck, swoops back in, gets it to Yamamoto. Yamamoto keeps it alive, sets up Nugent Hopkins to fire it into the open goal with Talbot out of position. So it's it's totally changed the look of the Oilers. And look, are they, are they an elite team? I don't think they are. Are they a great team? I don't think they are. If you were to list the top five Stanley Cup contenders, I wouldn't put the Oilers in the list. But I feel a little bit better that they are a strong playoff contender and that there is not going to be a serious drop-off because now there is more to this team than shutting down two players, McDavid and Dreisaitl, who are often on the same line because they have line mates who are maybe not elite players. We'll see where Yamamoto goes. You know, I wouldn't call Cassian an elite offensive player. I wouldn't call Archibald an elite offensive player. Neil's no longer an elite offensive player, but they're at least competent, complementary Offensive players. And that's been the biggest change for the Oilers over the uh, last couple of months, or over the last few weeks. Uh, this texture says uh, Is Dry better than McDavid? I don't think so, but he's pretty good. I mean, I think in terms of raw individual explosive skill, McDavid is 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 number one. I know Drysaddle's leading the league, doing great. And Rob Brown's made the point because you know we've talked, especially last year when most of the offense was Nugent Hopkins, Drysaddle, McDavid. We called them the the big three. And Rob has made the point that if you're going to isolate somebody, isolate the best player. So put McDavid on his own line because he's so good he can still create offense with the more inferior line mates and have. Cytle and Nugent Hopkins together. I still think McDavid is the most explosive offensive player in the league. Uh, Brian says proceed with caution. The Oilers still make a lot of unforced errors that they get away with. That being said, they are they are playing better with some force on all four lines. Uh, Kevin says just curious as to why the goaltenders were ejected. The goaltenders were ejected because you get a game misconduct if you are the start of, if you're in a secondary fight. So once there's one fight going on, which was what was happening with um, Kachuk and Bear, anybody else who fought was going to get thrown out. It didn't have anything to do with crossing the red line or coming out of your crease. They were rejected because it's a secondary fight. Now, coming out of your crease as a goaltender when there's something going on is a two-minute leaving your crease penalty, but because they actually fought after another
0: fight
2: was going on, that's why they were ejected. All right, 780-496-0063 to call or text.
3: Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat.
2: All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. It's 621 Oilers-Coyotes tomorrow, 5.30 face-off show, game at 7 here on 6.30, Chet, and uh, the Oilers trying to push the Coyotes a little further back in the standings. The uh, Oilers are going to be rolling into that game with 62 points. The Coyotes are now fifth in the Pacific with 59 points. The Oilers do have... Two games in hand. Arizona with just two wins in their last 10, so they're having a little bit of a tough go here. And how about uh, Vancouver? They had to settle for the single point yesterday, but they're three up on the Oilers for first. The Oilers with one game in hand on the Canucks. Want to uh, just touch on another little storyline here from the last two battles of Alberta. On Wednesday, Riddick denies Dry sidle in a shootout. That ended the game. Riddick with the uh, stick flip celebration. And then he winds up getting pulled on Saturday night. Dry saddle after the game on Saturday.
0: It's just disrespectful, you know. We hit two posts and, and he's celebrating like, I don't know, they just won the Stanley Cup, you know. I, I get it. They're excited. Um, you know, good for them. They won the game in the shootout. But show some respect, I, I think. That's my opinion. All
2: right. So after Flames' practice today, goaltender David Riddick was asked about the stick flip and some of the reactions since then.
3: I didn't do it, too make someone mad and i mean i just celebrate we're not able to celebrate in this league anymore or what so that's that's only i i didn't i didn't want to do something wrong i just i just celebrate and that's all so
2: you're not going to change
3: i mean why i should change why, why i should change myself uh my personality that's that's why i'm in the nhl so uh i'm not going to change anything you can find a lot of a lot of things to motivate. It's Battle of Alberta. It's I don't know if it's about a stick flip. I honestly I don't even want to talk about it. I just did because I felt I want to do it. That's all. If someone's mad on me for doing that, just be. Just be mad on me. I'm gonna do it next time either. I honestly like I'm I'm that guy who's who's showing the emotions, who's celebrating goals, who's celebrating wins.
2: Alright, so there's Flames goaltender David Riddick said he would he would do it next time. No regrets about the stick flip. It just all adds to this fire, doesn't it? I mean it's 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 kind of fun. Is it is it the worst thing he could have done in that moment? No. Was it kind of surprising? Yeah. Would you probably prefer in hindsight not to give the opposing team motivation, especially when you're playing so Uh, so soon again right after that game. Yeah, okay, sure. But, you know, this to me, this just uh, all adds to the beauty of it, and I hope this is the beginning of the heat back in the Battle of Alberta. I mean, the the Jack Michaels clip, which is totally viral now, you heard him say it. We've been waiting for this for three decades. I mean, 1991 was the last time you could say that the Oilers and the Flames had an absolutely epic rivalry. Built up in the 80s, they played several times, several memorable moments, the Smith-owned goal, the Gretzky-shorthanded goal, the Oilers won five Stanley Cups, the Flames won one, the 91 series was a a, a titanic conflagration. I hope I'm using that word properly. Titanic, I mean. And that was the last time you remember this extended period of hatred and rivalry between the two teams. I mean, yeah, sure, it has boiled up in other games at certain
0: times. Right from the face off, we have uh, gloves off. Here's Oliva and Larac, and here's the thunder.
2: some audio out of the vault. Dave Campbell, the producer of the show, piecing that together from October 25th, 2003. (laughs) Three fights in the first minute of the game. I I don't know. Well, we could see that again someday. Uh, But there have been some other moments... In the last thirty years, uh, that that have stood out, but like I said, nothing's really been sustained, and no playoff battles, which are really things that turn up the heat. And you know, I know some of you get sick of uh, of talking about the old days, but you got to remember, in the '80s, it wasn't just a rivalry based on geography; it was a rivalry based on the Oilers and the Flames being most years two of the top four or five teams in the NHL, and they played eight times in the regular season, so that added to it. Uh, if we're headed back to something close to that, it's going to be a spectacle to watch in the years to come. Well, we will keep discussing, and speaking of goalie fights, our next guest knows all about it. He was in a pretty well-known one in February of 2007. We're going to have Marty Baron on the show after the break, now with MSG and RDS, and uh, he fought Ray Emery, who of course has since passed away, and that was the first of two fights that Emery was in, in that sequence. One of the more older moments in the NHL from the past 20 years. He's coming up next inside sports on 630
0: Chad. is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader 630 Chad.
2: Three games in the NHL tonight. The Leafs lead the Panthers 2-1 late in the second period. About three minutes left in the second at MSG. Rangers down 4-2 to the Stars. And early in the second, the Flyers and the Wings are scoreless. The Oilers practice today. They will play against the Arizona Coyotes tomorrow. Our coverage here on 630 Ched will start at 530. The game is at 7. A lot of discussion today around goalie fights, bringing back some memories. And something that was february 22nd 2007 uh emory and peters the key combatants in that one and i'm pleased to welcome to inside sports former goaltender now an analyst with msg and rds marty baron marty you're on with reed thanks for joining <laughs> us tonight uh well
1: when you're hearing that audio what's going through your mind <laughs> Well, first of all, uh, I'm happy you guys picked the Rick Generate uh, soundbite because the Ottawa one makes me look like I'm beginning beat up to a pulp uh, by Ray Emery. So, obviously, when uh, Rick Generate is a little bit more on my side in this one. So, I'm glad you picked the right soundbite uh, to play. And I love how Jimmy Laurent says, Well, there's an example. You go after one of our top guy, we will go after yours. And uh, that's really what it was an eye for an eye. Chris Rory went down. Chris Neal hit him with a bad uh, late hit to the head. And uh, Lindy Ruff, uh, very much of an old school coach, put uh, Andrew Peters at a mare and Pat Coletto, And that was Coletto's first NHL game. So I knew exactly what I needed to do. My gloves were already loosened up. My mask was ready to pop up and we were going to fight.
2: Well, I watched that whole sequence today. And it's been I mean that was almost thirteen years ago, so I I'm glad I refreshed my memory about the whole thing. And you you did fine. Like it's not like you were getting crushed. <laughs> Thank of... you.
1: I I I hung in there, but uh I think that Ray took it easy because he knew he could have actually killed me if he wanted to. <laughs>
2: but but you but you were anticipating at the start of that shift that it was probably gonna break loose and you'd have to get involved.
1: Absolutely. I I mean I knew, like we Listen, our team in 2006-2007, uh, they actually they won the President's Trophy. I was traded uh, the, the, the next week. The next week was straight deadline. I was traded to Philadelphia. But that team was so tight together. And it seems like every game before we played against Ottawa, somebody was going down to an injury and a bad one. So Chris Rory was not the first guy to lay on the ice after a bad hit or after a a blocking a shot. This was like five games in a row. So it had boiled up to, okay, we're not going to take this anymore. And I think everybody was expecting uh, something bad to happen right after. Uh, And I was one of them. I had been in a couple of pushing matches, and I have seen some goalie fights in my days. But uh, that was the very first time that I got involved in one and really loved it.
2: and and what did you know about like what was Emory's reputation? I mean, you mentioned and even oh. like Camp Talbot said today he knew going in Smith might be able to get the upper hand. Is that kind of what you were anticipating or what were you thinking going in?
1: Yeah, I knew. I mean, I had known about Ray Emory from his days with the uh, Binghamton Senators where uh he wanted to fight everybody. He was fighting all the tough guys and and all the other teams. So But for me, I always thought that I was going to get a lucky punch or a lucky fight. Like, I remember Felix Podme going after Ron Ekstahl, and Ron Ekstahl was bloodied. And I knew Felix, and the guy was 5'11", 165 pounds. Like, it wasn't big. He went against big, bad Ron Ekstahl and beat him up really bad. So I was thinking to myself, you know, I was 6'2", 175 pounds when I played. Like, maybe I'll get lucky and I'm going to get to fight a big, tough guy and I'm going to get a couple of lucky punches in. And so when the opportunity presented itself, I wasn't fearful of Ray Emery. I just thought, there's my chance. I'm going to be on the highlights for the rest of my life after I beat this guy up. And uh, no, that didn't happen. I'm still, you know, on the highlights, but uh, I, I didn't get to, uh, to have the success I thought I was going to have.
2: Well, what's amazing about that whole sequence is that Emery wasn't done. So you you fight Emery, you do you do your thing, and then it appears to be dying down, but no, 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 there's Andrew, like you don't you see goalie fights, you don't see a lot of goalie skater fights. So when that developed and you got a front row seat, take us to that moment.
1: Well, we both went down. So Ray Emery and I went down on the ice, and we looked at each other and we said, "Let's do it again." So we got back up, and now I'm thinking, okay, how do I approach this now? Because we're we're squaring off again, and I know I got to get a hold of his right arm, which I did not do in the first opening in the first fight because I I went in and led with my right arm, so I never was able to grab his right arm, and that's why he kind of had to the way of of throwing a few punches it didn't hit me but still it didn't look good so I'm getting up and I'm thinking okay how am I going to approach this and Ray looked at me and looked over and he saw Andrew Peters kind of skating over and I was like the guy that got stood up at the dance like Ray was like I don't want to fight you you're no good for me I want to fight the big tough guy Andrew Peters who's come in right now and that's who I want a piece of so I really felt like I had been just you know, dissed at the dance or neglected by by my friends. I, I went back to the bench like pouting like i wanted to fight again and and the boys were just howling on the bench they're like oh my goodness did you see how he looked at you and looked at andrew peters and was like i better fight this stuff guy because i've had enough of marty the guys were loving it every second of it uh and i still i mean i work every day with andrew peters and around this time of year around february people bring it up hey you guys remember that fight no seven the auto overall and P doesn't like to talk about it because he said, hey, I did what I had to do. He doesn't like the fact that he ended up fighting a goalie. He, you know, he was a, a tough guy in the National Hockey League. He says, I don't condone the fact that I fought a goalie, but it was a really tough goalie, so it's okay.
2: Marty Barad joining us on uh, Inside Sports. Uh, yeah, you were, you were the jilted lover at the dance. I love,
1: I love yeah, how you put absolutely. that. Absolutely. The music was not my style of music <laughs> at that time.
2: <laughs> uh, you know, we, we lost Ray Emery about a year and a half ago. Did, yep. What sort of contact, if any, did you have with him after, after the fight?
1: I never really talked to Ray about the fight uh, in the years after that. And, and you know, we didn't cross paths all that much. You know, a few years later, I actually thought I was going to resign with the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, that didn't happen. And I found out, you know, that the, the Flyers were kind of working a side deal with Ray Emery to bring him back from Russia. So when I left Philly, he came into Philadelphia. So I was a little bit bitter about that you know, the fact that I had been moved for Ray Emery in Philly. But so maybe what, three, four years ago, maybe three, four years ago, right, in, in Buffalo, they do a celebrity roast um, every year. And it's usually either a Buffalo Sabres alumni or a Buffalo Bills alumni. And uh, so I was the the, the, the celebrity. They were going to roast here. So Jason Woolley, Danny Briere, J.P. Dumont, Andrew Peters, my brother, they were all going to roast me. Well, we tried to get Ray Emery to come. And Ray was retired at that moment, and he said, look, I would love to come down to Buffalo, and, but he goes, I don't feel comfortable going in and, and ripping on you. Like, people love you there, and they hate me, and <laughs> I don't want people to hate me more than they already do. It's like I played hockey, I fought, I was a tough guy, but that's not who I am. I'm trying to, to kind of be a different person in retirement and so i totally understood where he's coming from he just didn't want to come into buffalo and and make enemies he uh he, you know he was doing so many great things uh with his life at that time and so it was so unfortunate that we lost him way too early but i never got a chance to really talk to him about it i wish i would have uh but never uh, never did and that's unfortunate
2: Okay, so that takes us to, to Saturday night. Uh, you know, there hadn't been a, a goalie fight since twenty thirteen. Bernier and Miller fought, and I think that one was in September in the in the preseason. So you know, Talbot's upset, the Flames are losing the game, and Smith comes out. So you're you're watching that and I'm sure you've seen the highlights dozens of times since then, like like everybody else. You know, would have you done what Mike Smith did? Did Talbot have to go, especially when Nurse pointed? Yeah, that was pretty crazy how that played
1: out. <laughs> that was is one of those where you know Darnell Nurse is saying, go, "You better go over there and fight my goalie, or I'm gonna, you know, kick your butt all the way, you know, down there." So when I saw Cam Talbot going up against Mike Smith, I thought, "Oh my goodness, like Mike Smith is tough." Listen, there are some guys around the National Hockey League. That are in a totally different weight category. I would think Robin Leonard is one of them. Uh, obviously, Mike Smith is another one. There are some guys out there that are big, strong, and tough. Um, but Cam Talbot is is a strong man too. Like I, I mean, I have played uh, with Cam with the Rangers organization. I've known him. I you know when we were in Calgary this year. Uh, you know, I got to see him. So I'm thinking, you know, Cam may get something out of this. Maybe you know he can hold him to a uh you know an arm length and and not getting too many punches but as soon as mike smith connected with one it was like mike smith did not want to stop he just had two three four right on top of one another and and as a goalie you're not really strong on your skate like a, a player will be in in fighting a position so as soon as cam went down um, I was almost kind of happy that he went down because, you know, if he stands up on his feet and keeps taking punches by Mike Smith, it could have gotten ugly. But Mike Smith is tough. He's one of the, the, the toughest out there. And uh, I, 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 if I was a betting man before the fight, I would have put all my money on Mike Smith and I, I would have won
2: well yeah he did he did well he he did well for sure and that that was pretty amazing to see that Marty, I want to ask you about a couple other things, and it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for making time for us all right no problem David Riddick flipped his stick after winning in the shootout on Wednesday. Uh, Dry Seidel said after Saturday's game he found it disrespectful. Before we broke for our news at 6.30, I played what Riddick said today where he said, what, we aren't allowed to celebrate? I'd do it again. I'm an emotional guy. A couple uh, listeners have texted in. Uh, this texter says, I just compared to the Jose Bautista bat flip from the Blue Jays playoff run. I'm an Oilers fan. I'm not offended. Well, uh, Dan says the stick flip was very disrespectful to do it in someone else's barn. If it was in the saddle dome, good for him, but disrespectful to, uh, to do it on the road. Just wondering what you thought of that and obviously, you know the Oilers were and Oilers fans were overjoyed to see Riddick get pulled on Saturday after uh, doing the stick flip. Uh, what do you what do you think of all this?
1: A couple of things. I played with Henrik Lundqvist in New York, and he gets really fired up after wins, right? And especially we we've seen him celebrate after a, a shootout win where he he's got the fist bump or he, he does something to, to release that that happiness a little bit. So I, I'm okay with a goalie celebrating. What you have to be careful with is when a goalie celebrates, you, you have to be able to keep a, keep a cool head after. So, in the moment, be happy, celebrate. And the six flip is a little much for me. I, I don't love the six flip, but I mean, I, David Riddick can do whatever he wants. But if you're going to do this, you better back it up with being. Prepared, uh, being controlled, and and play your best game after that. I mean, if Jose Bautista wants to bat flip his next at bat, he can't swing on three pitches and miss all three of them. He better be ready, uh, you know, to back it up. And so that was my point. I tweeted right, you know, Sunday morning. I said, I kind of was something I was expecting because when Riddick did the bat flip, the the sick flip, um, it's almost like he got himself so hyped up that he wasn't able to come back under control and then played very badly against the Oilers on Saturday night in the first part of the game. When I got in a fight with Ray Emery, people don't remember, but my very next game three days later was against the Ottawa Senators in Ottawa, and I was so hyped up. I walked in the building like I was Rocky Balboa, like I was ready for another fight. And, you know, I gave up three right away, and I was pulled for Ryan Miller again. Like, I wasn't able to control the emotional side of playing goalie. Goalies have to stay under control at all times. So that was the big thing with David Riddick. If you want to flip the stick or you want to celebrate and you want to do whatever you want, back it up. That's the only thing you have to do is be able to back it up. And he did not back it up on Saturday night, and I think that's a learning experience for that goaltender um, and for every goaltender. If you're going to do something like that, you better back it up. Some of the best player in the National Hockey League, Ovechkin scores. He celebrates. Everybody celebrates, right? Marchand, what he does, but he backs it up. And I think that's where Riddick failed and the Oilers were
2: able to take advantage of it. Okay, Marty, one more for you. This is going to be a game that will be long remembered, but there's a lot of hockey left. The Oilers are looking good, a lot of work to do to seal up a playoff spot. 8-1-2 and two, since Yamamoto came up and they've split up Dreisaitl, uh and McDavid. They're getting the goaltending yep. from both Smith and, and Koskinen. They're obviously not going to play at an 8-1-2 and two clip for the rest of the season, but uh where are you at with uh what you think the you know where are you at with the Oilers fortunes for the rest of the season you know do you think this is going to be a team that'll keep keep plugging away and and seal up a playoff spot maybe uh maybe before we get to that rematch with the Flames in the last game of the year
1: yeah I I do think so I really like the makeup of the of the uh, Edmonton Oilers obviously uh I thought uh, when Dave Tippett came in that he was going to be able to bring in some defensive structure to a team that has a lot of upside offensively. I think he's done that to a certain extent. I think there's still a long way to go because when you get to the end of the season and playoffs, it's about playing well defensively. It's about doing the little details defensively. And I I don't know that the Oilers are doing that 100% of the time, but they're working towards that. So that's a good thing. Uh, They've made the, the job a lot easier on their goaltender by, by, being a little bit more conscious of, of playing defense, so it's helping Coskin and it's helping Mike Smith. They both played well, but they're going to need to continue playing as a unit, and not just goaltenders in the defense, but as a, a six-man unit uh, to be able to defend. But I, I do think the Oilers are a playoff team, and I think they can make some noise in the playoffs. Now, I remember the Battle of Quebec, Montreal, Quebec City, when I was a kid, and you know some of the battles in the playoffs, the the, the Good Friday brawl where you know, Louis Slager uh, uh, took the punch on Jamel, and you know had the, the the bad eye after this. Dale Hunter running around the ice, Peter Stastny running around the ice. I want, and you know what? Uh, maybe I'm I'm crazy, but I want that in the first round. I want the Oilers. I want the Flames first round. I want to see the craziness. I want to see the battle of Alberta. I want to see both cities go nuts. I, I I'm gonna fly in to watch it myself because I think it'd be that exciting so I know the Oilers fans they don't want to see the Flames make the playoffs but um, you know, as an outside fan, I'd I love a Battle of Alberta in the first round.
2: Yeah, I, I would too, and I think a lot of people would be on board with that. Marty, we'll have to do this again. Really enjoyed uh, talking to you. Thanks for being so generous with your time this evening. All the best. And, uh, uh, well, I know you've transitioned from uh, hockey to broadcasting, and you're doing great at that too. So thanks for coming on.
1: Well, thank you. Right now I'm a hockey dad. My son's on the ice, and I'm waiting for him to be done with practice. So it worked out
2: perfectly. <laughs> Perfect. We'll see you Ed. Awesome, thanks. Marty Barron, former NHL goaltender, hockey dad, as he just mentioned. He's at his kids' practice, and uh, you can get him on MSG and uh, RDS as well. Well, that was good. Some really good perspective, memories of of fighting Emery and what he saw with Talbot and Smith, and uh, he's pretty optimistic about the Oilers. I think some fair comment, far from a finished product. You know, when it gets into a playoff series, the game changes even again and tightens up even more. Are the Oilers fully equipped to do that at the moment? (laughs) Eh, probably not as much as you'd like them to be, but showing some uh, continued improvement as we move along. 780-496-0063 to call or text. Some guests on the show get gift certificates. to Northern Chicken, bringing down-South comfort food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern classics, spun with a modern twist.
3: Hi, this is Darnell Nurse from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All
2: right, thanks a lot for joining in tonight. Ice Castles. Brad writing in. Brad, why do you call? I'm curious. Because we have Norman in a combine, who is not always in a combine when he texts in. So, Brad, are you always in an ice castle when you text in? And if not, would you share why you chose that handle on our text line? You could live in an ice castle, Brad. We do have the climate for it. But I'm going to read your text here, buddy. Having some fun with you. He says, uh, Brad says, Sure, the stick flip is somewhat disrespectful to me. It's part of the gamesmanship, and if that crosses the line for you as a fan or as a player, you must be pretty thin-skinned. However, playing with swagger like that, like Marty Baron said, has to be backed up by playing well afterwards, and perhaps even more importantly, has to be earned. When you flip your stick after two out of three shots get past you and you get bailed out by the post, you haven't earned that swagger and you just look like an idiot. That is from Ice Castle's Brad texting in tonight. The uh, Smith Talbot goalie fight. Still the talk of the NHL. The last Oilers goalie fight before that. Oh, I'm glad you asked.
0: Now Conklin's coming out of the uh, coming out of the net here. He's got his gloves off. Him and Nermanen are gonna go. Wow. And, and I don't think Nermanen has a chance. Ty Conklin and passing Nermanen Square off. Be shy. Still in the Atlanta bench. And now Lorac and Lassard start throwing punches. Those are two heavyweights, Lerac and Lessard, going at it here. Conklin and Nermanen continue to battle. The fans here at Rexall Place on their feet. We have not seen this all season. Conklin has got the shirt of Nermanen over his head, lets the right hand go. Right in front of the Atlanta bench, and now Smith.
2: Okay, so that's Kevin Quinn and Ray Ferraro calling the game on Sportsnet from February 11th 2004. The Oilers tie Conklin against Passy Nermanem of the Atlanta Thrashers. That was the last time an Oilers goalie got in a fight. The man who called Smith
0: Talbot, Jack Michaels, checking in.